Hello and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. This is Volume 9, Issue 413. We are talking about Florence. Joining me, I'm James Carter, in Issue 413 are Charlotte Cutts. Hello. Leah Hedu. Hello. And Jacob Geller. Hello. Hello and welcome, one and all. Uh, I've written what I think's a reasonable single-sentence summary of Florence, a short visual novel which uses puzzles to represent different stages and phases of a relationship. I think that's fairly spoiler-free, although probably worth saying from this point forward, this is a half-hour game that is very heavily focused on narrative, so in terms of time investment, there's not much there. I would encourage everyone who's listening, if they're interested in this game enough to listen to the podcast, uh, and and have the time and uh, not that much money, I don't think. To it's like be two able bucks, to play this game. yeah, yeah. Even on Switch, it's five pounds, so somewhere around that sort of in dollars. I assume I would encourage everyone to play it because we're going to go obviously into full spoilers on the story and what we took from the story and all sorts. I'm going to say that right up front here, just because it's worth kind of prompting people to go and uh, think about playing it if they are interested to. Um. Florence is a game published by Annapurna Interactive. I've put them up front because the credits for this game are fairly short as as credits for games go. Uh, Annapurna Interactive, I thought it was worth mentioning, uh, have a pretty stellar uh, publishing record as far as video games go over the past few years. The likes of What Remains of Edith Finch, Gorogoa, Outer Wilds and Sayonara Wild Hearts all jumped off there Um their publishing list. It was around the time that Florence released that I was just like, is this the best publisher? And, and then they released <laughs> Outer Wilds. And so it's like, yeah, they have, it's it's hard to beat their batting average at the moment. They've picked up a lot of games quite quickly. And I, I, I don't think I've seen one that hasn't been at least received as interesting and with quite a lot of positivity, if not universal praise. It's, um, it, as you say, quite the batting average. But they are they are merely, not merely at all, they are the publisher, but the developer. So this is quite interesting, I think. Developer is a company called Mountains. And in terms of the credits for this, it just says Mountains are, and then gives a list of the four people that comprise Mountains. Uh, we'll go through some of the other credits, but the, the, uh, the four people who are Mountains are Kamina Vincent, who previously worked on Curse of the Assassin, Tony Coccoluzzi, Apologies for pronunciation, uh, who previously worked on Cuphead, Sam Crisp, who has previously worked on Hacknet, and the person who started Mountains, who went back from London to Melbourne, I believe, with the intention of creating a development studio that was Mountains, is Ken Wong, who most people will know as, I think, lead designer on Monument Valley, certainly one of the designers on Monument Valley, has previously done art and other work on uh, some American McGee games, including Bad Day LA. Alice Madness returns as well uh, there. Yeah, really interesting that there's kind of several fairly high-profile indie games on there that these people were kind of pulled from into this project. And some of them, uh, Cuphead, for instance, wasn't was, was released kind of around similar time to Florence, so there's definitely overlapping work uh, here in terms of the people involved. Um, the other aspect that I think's of interest here is that there are four different, in a fairly short credits, I'll say it again, there are four different musical credits for this game, or, or audio credits, I should say. 
Uh, music itself was composed by Kevin Penkin, who has worked on Nor 9, um, actually the anime, uh, I believe, that, and some music from that has been used in, in Nor 9 game. Uh, and also This is the Police 2. You'll start to see some overlapping credits here as well. Uh, music supervision was by Fabian Malabello, uh, who worked, or Malabello possibly, uh, again, apologies for pronunciation, who also previously worked on Hacknet uh, and This is the Police and This is the Police 2, uh, the first season of Orwell, I believe, and Wargroove. And the sound designer, Matt Dwyer, worked on The Eyes of Ara and I think it is the second season of Orwell. It, they've got subtitles, so I can't remember which way around they go, but I think that's right. And I think the reason that there's some overlapping credits in the music and sounds uh, category there is because there was actually an audio agency hired to provide the music and sound uh, designers for uh, this game. Uh, that audio agency is the Otherworld Agents. Uh, I figured that probably explains why some of the people involved with the audio have kind of overlapping credits where other games and other companies have kind of used the same agency. One thing that I think is really cool about Kevin mm. Pinkin, uh, other than the fact that he's been a guest on Sound of Play, is that he used to do uh, overclocked remixes. And I've actually just like kind of coincidentally been been looking through old songs on that site and seen ones by Kevin Pinkin and been like, is that the same guy? So like, yeah, he's been he was he was <laughs> remixing, you know, music from Ueda games way before he was professionally involved in all of this. And so it's just kind of neat to see. Yeah. No, it is It is very interesting. A lot of people, uh, similar to in game design, a lot of people who start making mods and start making levels for in-level creators end up using that as a springboard into often indie uh, game development. But yeah, same goes for music. Yeah, why not? Why not start remixing and, you know, mashing up songs together and uh, getting to know part of the creation and then kind of spin that out into your own thing. Uh, narrative design consultant who also worked on The Gardens Between and Control is Brooke Mags. Uh, animation handled by Jason Pammett. Uh, additional visual development comes from someone who also worked on Untitled Goose Game, again the indie game kind of crossover from Marigold Bartlett. And this game was made in the Unity engine. So, in April 2016 it was, Ken Wong, who, as mentioned, was working in uh, London, I think it is, with Us Two Games, had worked on Monument Valley, had also worked on the Samsung Gear VR game Land's End, and, in his own words, felt that he had kind of achieved what he wanted to achieve with Us Two Games, and decided, given that Australia had started developing a, a game development scene of, of its own, uh, particularly around Melbourne, where he was from, um, decided to move back there and see if he could set up his own um, his own game studio, and did, and that was Mountains. As mentioned, four people, including Ken Wong, involved in Mountains. Um, he put the team together. Interest. I thought this was interesting, and it was a point made in uh, an article, How Game Design Can Tell Love Stories, by Marie D'Alessandri on, it was MCV's Develop uh, subsite, in March 2018, around the time this game came out, um, that the team was put together before they then wanted to try and work out what game they were making, which is kind of, it's not often the way you hear about it, particularly with indies, the idea comes first and then you kind of find the people. In this case, it was very much, here's people Ken Wong wanted to work with and the studio came together and then the game idea came from it. It was an initial release on Valentine's Day 2018 
<laughs> on iOS. <laughs> what what a time to release it! Yeah, Day, yeah. <laughs> interesting. It's a really great yeah. game to play with there. your significant other. You know, just a good time for everyone. Just, yeah, sure. Just stop about twenty minutes into it. <laughs> yeah. Do not do the ending. <laughs> Qu- quiet, quiet night in with a yeah. A, take out and, and an iPad just to play a nice cozy game about <laughs> relationships yeah <laughs> um, a month later um, this uh, this game Florence released on Android and it was then only uh, almost to the day two years after the initial release uh, this year 13th February 2020 that the game came to PC and Mac via Steam I believe uh, and also onto Nintendo Switch as mentioned slightly more expensive on Switch Often the case, even so, yeah. I think you were saying it was about five pounds. I I also purchased it on Switch, yeah. uh, and I want to say it was six or seven dollars. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 still I still managed to purchase both of the uh, the um, versions for yeah. less than ten. So yeah, it's uh, it is thankfully on the uh, on the affordable side. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, not yet on uh, PC or Switch. I wouldn't think it's still so recent, but. Um, on iOS and I think Android, I have certainly seen it in sales as well. So if it's worth waiting for a sale, then wait for a sale. Um, as mentioned, the game is short. I, I personally wouldn't have an issue paying five pounds to play it again on Switch. Mileage may vary on value. So reviews wise, this is pretty highly reviewed, really across the board between critics and users. Uh, not many reviews on IMDb, but 7.2 out of 10 sounds low, but for IMDb scores, it's actually it's not pretty decent. Um, there weren't, weren't very many reviews there, but iOS App Store seemed like the place to go. Sure enough, I think it was 10K reviews on there, 1K or 10K. Either way, a pretty big uh, sample size uh, has a 4.5 out of 5. Steam reviews do the kind of recent and overall recently overwhelmingly positive, but overall is very positive at the moment. Um, I think that's interesting because a all the reviews should be recent, given it only came out month or getting on for two months ago. But also, it does seem like the sort of game that could divide opinion, being short and in some ways atypical for a video game, as mentioned. But uh, Open Critic, uh, our kind of review aggregator of choice, has it at eighty nine for uh, critic reviews, uh, and uh, yeah, all. Lots of praise in there, absolutely. Getting sales on mobile games, downloadable games at all, but mobile games in particular can be really iffy. It just isn't something that's surfaced all that well, despite the fact mobile stores have incredibly good um, metrics. There are sites you can go to and see that in the past month, this game has sold 6,000 copies on iOS. I can't find any historical data there without signing up to some kind of iOS store API, you know, backdoor site. I wasn't going to get into that. So I instead went to a game gamesindustry.biz interview in October 2018, so round about the six months, uh, no, eight months after release mark, uh, that was carried out by Matthew Handrahan, again, as mentioned, with Ken Wong. Um, notably, he said that more people have played Florence in Mandarin than in English. That I have never heard about a game that isn't free to play or a very specific a game designed for the uh, Chinese market. Um, that just struck me as uh, not necessarily odd because the game features as its main character a Chinese Australian. The only, we'll get into this later, the only uh, text dialogue in the game is predominantly because it's between Florence and her mother in 
uh, I, it's certainly in Chinese of some kind, I presume Mandarin, but apologies if that's not correct, uh, with very small uh, English translation underneath in brackets. So um, there are certain aspects where it makes sense, but it seemed something that was kind of notable, and we'll get on to dialogue in the game uh, in a little bit. But He has also talked about uh, the sales more generally, and this was this was a while ago, so I don't know how accurate it is now but but basically the message that i got was that they did okay on it you Mm -hmm. know that they they made their money back and were going to be able to make another game but i think it kind of speaks to how ruthless the mobile market is that like this game was reviewed really well lots of people like it it seems like it sold a lot and they did all right you know that it yeah. that it was not like a blockbuster. You can make whatever you want now. Don't worry about success. Uh, and that was just striking to me because like this is kind of the only mobile game I've bought in the past like two years. Um, yeah. But but maybe that's why. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I have a similar. I I don't I don't purchase mobile games very often. It's just not a format that I that I play on normally. Yeah. But but yeah, this is. This is one that actually came to me pretty highly recommended. So I, yeah, and and even still, you know, I guess even if you have that many people and they're all paying, you know, two dollars or the equivalent for the game, it's it mo- mobile development is wild. Yeah, to me. and then and then I don't know, a buck fifty goes to Apple. I have I have no idea yeah, what the yeah, split probably. is, but it, <laughs> yeah, it seems like you're not making. I mean, just the fact that it's two years old, but they can still price it higher on Switch because people will like reject out of hand a mobile game being more than like four dollars is the kind of absurd yeah yeah absolutely and monument valley went through much of what we're kind of talking around here with pricing and mobile they went through a big issue with that in the end i think i saw a figure of monument valley brought in 14.4 million dollars for that studio now that's a bigger studio than mountains is by a significant uh, margin i believe but it goes to show that, you know, I'd heard comments around, you know, Monument Valley wasn't doing great because people just won't buy uh, premium mobile games as they're referred to. I mean, premium well, and, when you think of it as, you know. And Monument uh, Valley came out significant. Monument Valley came out when premium mobile games were still kind of a thing, yeah. right? Like, yeah, it, yeah. it's only gotten worse. I remember in the yeah. in the early days of the App Store, I would routinely pay, you know, five bucks for something. And now it's like, other than Florence, I can't think of anything that's not free to play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Monument Valley obviously is, is one. And then The Room was around the same time of, of that, The Room series, um, that now its next game uh, that's just come out is VR. But... Uh, st- certainly has four ga- four mobile games, and they have stayed with the premium uh, model. Uh, but I have heard several times people say it's hard to to get attention on a game when people just aren't used to paying for games on mobile. Um, I I definitely saw some comments from Ken Wong saying they had to have discussions about how to get their game into people's hands on mobile, and they talked about a way to do this as a free or freemium game i i don't know how that would have worked uh tough for me to imagine obviously i guess it's broken to chapters you could give act it's one a, you pay for, pay ten dollars for the good ending <laughs> oh, God. Know, maybe. um but yeah or ads in in between each act or chapter maybe that would have worked i think that would have been frustrating um and and uh annapurna interactive were i think a big part of this because 
having them as a publisher means you can get eyes on the game. They can pay for advertising and get it on the front page of the App Store when it's released. So I think that does help. But uh, yeah, tough to know exactly on sales. But thank you, Jacob, for uh, that info that it's done, as you say, okay. All right, I have done a lot of the talking. It's time to hand over to uh, you guys for a little while. Um, Talk about our histories. Uh, Leah, would you like to start off with how and when you came to Florence? Sure. Uh, It was pretty close to when the game came out. Um, I had uh, a friend recommend it to me. Uh, with pretty much the pitch, you know, it's it's uh, it's a really touching story. You can get through it in like an hour, maybe, uh, probably less than that. Uh, and I think you'd really like it. So, you know, I, I spent the very minimal amount of money uh, purchasing. I, I I said that like Jacob, I don't I don't really purchase mobile games so much anymore, or I I never really did. Um, mm-hmm. And the only other one that I can think of that I actually spent money on in recent memory, and I had to look this up because I couldn't even remember the name of the game, <laughs> uh, um, which I don't know probably says a lot about it. But uh, Chuchel, um, which is a completely different kind of game, um, and uh, I also really liked that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, story for another time but uh yeah that so that's two games that i can name that i've spent money on in i don't even know how long um so yes i uh on on recommendation i picked this up and played through it in in one sitting um by myself in my house uh and uh absolutely loved it uh so i um picked up the switch version uh, I guess maybe last week or the week before. Yeah, as as we said, it it hasn't been out very long. And then played that again this morning. I guess we'll probably talk a bit about um, how uh, kind of how the uh, the actual mechanics of the game affect the gameplay. Yeah. I don't think that I liked the mechanics quite as much right. in the Switch version. It, it it was far from ruined, and I would still recommend it. Um, you know, if you if you don't have access to the the mobile mm. version, but I think. I think that just in general, the the mobile version lent itself better to what they to kind of the interplay between what you're doing and what's actually happening on the screen. Yeah. Um, but still, very uh, very worth it and very good on on the Switch. So uh, I guess that's twice through that I have uh, I have now uh, played through the story and uh, yeah I I will we'll get into uh, I, I I expect that this will probably go into some personal uh, stories so i'll i'll save those for later and, and oh absolutely yeah, yes yeah. i've yeah. played through it twice and uh and yeah that's that's where i am right now fantastic thank you very much jacob how about yourself yeah so i didn't hear about this one before it came out at all i they did have trailers but i just didn't see them but i kind of heard murmurings around release from kind of people i like in the industry who cover you know the kind of less less popular things i think i think there's probably other big stuff coming out around february 2018 but i heard some people saying you know florence is it's really good um and so i picked it up and and played it through on a phone and it was one of those games that it it suddenly became my mission to like make everyone i knew play through this (laughs) game it was just it was kind of one of those like this is my responsibility now i'm going to (laughs) have more people play florence and also it's it's a very good game, I think, for people who don't usually play video games. And so, you know, I would have friends who who didn't consider themselves gamers and be like, hey, try this. You can't die like you're not you're not going to mess it up. Just just go through this. Um, 
And so I I don't know how many times I've played it through because I've certainly kind of watched uh, other people play it a lot as well. Um, I, I bought the vinyl at some point. Um, oh. This was, I, I'll say, so on, on Kane and Rinse, the, all, all of us kind of contributors get like one game to kind of say like, hey, let's cover this one this year. Uh, and this was mine. So I, I'm very, very attached to Florence. Um, and then just this morning, I was like, I'll play Florence. And I'm probably fine. Uh, and <laughs> and then it <laughs> annihilated me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this. But it's it's a game that since it has come out, I have I have just thought about like all the time and and revisited pretty frequently. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, Charlotte, how about yourself? So I think I played this pretty close after release. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there was any particularly deep reason for me playing it, though. I think it was just a case of I wanted to broaden my horizons and find a good game to play on my phone for once because I never play games on my phone. And actually, the um, type of games I can play on my phone is a bit limited because I don't buy the most up-to-date phones. I think my phone cost me like 150 euros. It's like one of the most basic Androids you can probably get. So um, I didn't want to get anything that too heavy duty for my phone. So something like mm-hmm. a visual novel was a great pick to play on my phone. So I decided to play it just to have a bit more experience with that side of gaming. Played it in two sittings. I think it actually took me relatively long to beat it because Hmm. it didn't grab me all that much the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, It was... Yeah, so to to get a bit into the context of when I played it, this is probably getting a bit personal already, but um, I played this when I was single and I think I'd been single for a little while. Uh, Not too long, but a little bit. So for me, I just played it. I was like, eh, I mean... Yeah, it's a, a romantic story and it's kind of, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I enjoyed it, but it didn't speak to me personally at that time. So it took me a little bit longer to get it finished and I didn't think much of it. It's kind of interesting coming back to it now mm. because um, at the time of recording, it's the peak of the COVID-19 outbreak and I'm in a relationship and we've not been able to see each other for a few weeks and I don't know when that, that situation is going to end. So I've been a bit quiet, and the reason for that is this game has got me very emotional. <laughs> so I'm going to be okay. quite emotional during this recording. And I, I, it was very... Oh, I think we all probably <laughs> are. <laughs> yeah, I think playing uh, games that are just about a single relationship at the moment is poking it a little bit of a wound for me. Um, so, yeah. But it's, the, the, it's interesting. I didn't want to back out because it's a bit upsetting because... Um, It's interesting how I was so apathetic to the game when I wasn't involved in a relationship. And now that I'm involved in a relationship that has this hurdle at the minute, it's like quite an upsetting game to look back at. It's a bit like staring Mm. at the sun, so to speak. Um, And I think it's it's right what um, Leah and Jacob have, um, I I think mainly Leah, have um, indicated um, already is that really a lot of this game depends on your own personal experiences and what you bring to the game. So very quickly from my point of view, I did just check. Apologies if any clicking came through um, just to make sure when I played this. Uh, so I got an Android phone uh, last September, switched over from having an iPhone for a little bit, and I needed some games to take away with me uh, when we went on holiday last September. Uh, and Florence was one that I'd heard a lot about. Uh, as a slight tangent, I wonder how much of our perspective on this being a sort of widely lauded, widely played game and then the reality of maybe it not <laughs> reaching everyone else is because 
of the circles we tend to look within for our news. I think we're in a very tight sphere, yeah. (laughs) I think we tend to um, frequent the sort of websites and podcasts and chat with one another um, about a game like this that does very well critically, but maybe doesn't have wide appeal. So um, I I like the rest of um, you had heard quite a bit about this in um, a positive light, not that the um, not to undermine the um, the themes of the game and and uh, what it has to say about relationships, but uh, people talking about this is kind of a game you want to play. Yes, it's short. Yes, it's mobile. Do that. So I picked it up last September uh, and played it pretty much straight away and immediately replayed it. And then I haven't uh, touched it since until today. I knew I didn't need uh, you know a, a long lead in to be able to replay this game. So I thought no day of in the morning i'll read that and it'll help me just kind of refine the notes a bit and uh put me back in the frame of mind and it still kicks me right in the guts uh every time i play it well all three times i've played it uh and i was um actually surprised how much of the kind of minutiae of the puzzles i'd forgotten but the feeling that they left me with i'd remembered uh when i was replaying it uh i thought we could Start kicking things off with some forum feedback. Uh, Leo, would you be able to read the forum feedback from Alex79UK, please? This game has a real melancholy feel about it, which I like. I find the subject fascinating. I can't put it into words, but there's a feeling I get when thinking about past relationships, and this game absolutely nailed it. It's like a sense of regret and, well, melancholy, but that doesn't really describe it properly. Whatever that feeling is, this game provoked the exact same reaction from me. I thought the experience was a little short and would have liked to have seen the relationship explored in slightly more depth, but I applaud anyone doing something different like this, and mobile is the perfect format. Also, what a lovely soundtrack. Uh, That that last sentence is likely to be something you hear several times throughout this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, that kind of opens up into talking. Uh, I want to start with kind of scenario and setting. I already gave a single sentence overview of the game, but... Uh, in a little bit more detail, uh, Florence Yeo is our um, central character, our titular character, um, who is a 25-year-old Chinese-Australian artist, very much like uh, Ken Wong, as mentioned previously. Um, she meets Krish, um, who is an Indian-Australian cellist. And as Jacob alluded to, uh, Ken wanted to reflect non-white Australia, so had uh, two... Chinese and Australian Indian uh, uh, protagonists, I guess, or two main characters. I have a question, um, and I'm not sure if anybody knows this or not. Um, Other than the fact that it obviously comes from an Australian studio, Mm. um, do we have indications of how we know that they are Australian, like Mm -hmm. it takes place in Australia? I'm I'm, I'm sure that there's got to be something that I'm missing or that that I can't think of, but I, I just... They they don't really make a big point of whether it's set in Australia or the no. U.S. or or Europe or wherever. I am just yeah. My mind sort of not knowing the background when I played mm-hmm. it. I, I thought it was set in New York or something because the scenes of uh, Florence being on the subway. But then that could yeah. be any. It could also be Paris. Yeah. It could be Berlin. Yeah, I know. also I also thought it was New York, and and maybe this is just me making up details. But there's that scene where you're putting photos on a map, and I I kind of thought the map was New York. Um, yeah. But but it. I mean, I know the geography of zero Australian cities, so it, it could <laughs> yeah, just be same. similar. Yeah. 
it could be that that that's kind of the point like it could be in any city really um you know we we have these these characters who are very definitely not just kind of generic white people but it it's a generic city type of thing Mm -hmm. i that that's that's Upon a little bit further reflection, that's maybe... I don't know if that's what they were going for or not, but it, it could be a, a definite effect. Yeah, possibly this is Australia. I think you can imagine it's anywhere, but I don't think it really necessarily matters that you know particularly where they're from. Uh, and that speaks to the the desire for this game to speak universally to people, I think. So, another piece of um, forum feedback. Uh, Jacob, I wonder if you could run us through John Cheatham's uh, feedback, please. I have never been into slice of life or coming of age stuff when it comes to films, TV, or graphic novels, but Florence really worked for me by packaging those themes into a nearly wordless puzzle game format. It captured how I, and I think many people, remember periods of their lives. With no dialogue outside of the short phone calls from Florence's mom, the game is largely a series of images, but you experience moving through it with the puzzles and button presses. That's a pretty apt presentation of how you might recall something as images and experiences as opposed to exactly what was said. It all contributes to the universality of themes the game wants to talk about. So as I think I mentioned, this is a fairly sparse game in terms of the dialogue. And exactly as John Cheatham says, the only actual, um, I guess, not vocalized because it's on screen text, but there is no vocalization. There is what I think is kind of Simlish style um, dialogue being spoken by the characters whilst there is text on the screen. It's mostly done visually aside from those phone calls between Florence and her mom. So I put under audio vocalization and dialogue, but this is almost a silent movie style of game in many ways, I guess. Yeah. And it's funny to me because it like you, you, there are large parts of the game. You, there are conversations that happen, but you don't actually see what the words are that are said in those conversations. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you have up to and including uh, speech bubbles that you are filling in as, as part of the puzzle. Uh, it, it's they, they capture the tone there better than, I don't know, than, than a lot of places, than a lot of stories mm-hmm. like this with actual dialogue. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that there still is dialogue. It's just not spoken, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think that though it's really powerful that they did it that way, because with things like when they are bonding as a couple and when they have their first big argument, when you think back to when you're bonding with your partner at the start of a relationship and when you have your first blowout argument, it's kind of irrelevant what that's about, especially the argument thing. Like you never remember after you've had a big blowout argument what you argued about. It's more the fact that you argued. So I think that's like, yeah. and, and and it it appeals to the fact that it could be any couple because any couple argues about all sorts of nonsense. So mm. I think it makes it more powerful that it doesn't get into specifics. Yeah, and I wonder if um, actually if they detailed the arguments more. It, it can be sometimes very easy from the outside of an argument to understand the emotion and the stress that, that the people in the argument are under, but the actual subject being argued about can sometimes seem very, very silly to someone who's not in that argument. So actually... You even take sides if you... Yeah, If, if they yeah, uh, detailed the argument, you, you, whether they intended you to or not, you could 
and end up uh everybody's gonna you know end up with a oh he was right or oh she was right yeah and that that i think takes away from it because that's the whole point is that like nobody's right it's just that they argue yeah relate to the argument like not to, to yeah. the side of the argument you would be on yeah absolutely just to uh, give give a silly example that I heard on the radio the other day on one of the the top like phone in shows that I listened to is that somebody was relaying an argument they had with their partner because um, the partner was supposed to be watching the kids and one of the kids cut a big chunk of hair off the other kid and they got into an argument because um, he should have been watching the kids sort of thing and from the outside that seems like it's funny like the kids got a funny haircut now it's really funny haha but to that couple they were like she was relaying it as like he was packing his bags and ready to move out you know so it's like some stuff that just from the outside is absolutely hilarious is just so serious to the um individual couple and this is the thing um maybe just talk about this a little bit though i'm sure we'll get onto Mm -hmm. this later um like a lot I, i would say probably most relationships don't dissolve in violence or really serious things happening more often than not it's silly arguments and it just builds up and then the relationship fizzles out so i i think that was a really powerful thing about florence is that it it's not a (laughs) it's not a relationship with violence or any sort of extremes um well violence is very serious but often it's made use of in soap opera sort of settings and that's not what the relationship in florence plays out as it's a lot more of a slow death of a relationship which is more powerful and more painful, in my opinion. It's it's not big dramatic things happening in in a relationship. It is just the relationship, capital T, yeah. capital R, I guess. Uh, that that I, I agree with that being way more powerful, especially in this context. And we'll get into some of you know how how kind of like simply and beautifully these ideas are portrayed in the quote unquote gameplay section. But like one of the things that I love about the conversations is that, you know, they're puzzles that you're putting together. And so there's the the very clear, you know, metaphor of like it gets easier when you've talked to them more. But also when they're arguing, the puzzle pieces themselves get more jagged, you know, that that they look pointier they look like they hurt more and so you're getting these kind of like it's all it's all just conversations you know it's just people talking and you can't read any of the words but you can see in literally how you're putting them together that that some of the words are more painful than other ones and it's like it seems obvious once you've seen it but i think in terms of like actually having the idea to do that in the first place it's just yeah. genius like it just works yeah. so well yeah. yeah i think you almost have to start off deciding that there shouldn't be dialogue in this and deciding that you then need a way to represent the tone of the words that are being spoken mm-hmm. um with a again i keep saying we'll get to we'll get to um the the visual style is quite sparse uh, we are going to talk more about that, but I think that aids uh, needing to make very, very clear um, tonal suggestions as to the mood and the emotions of the characters. Uh, and there's multiple ways that they do that, often visually, but obviously another area where um, they do that is through uh, the sound. There isn't any dialogue, but there is very much still um, a, a massive audio uh, part to uh, this game. Um, I've put sound design on here because one of the key people mentioned in the credits was very specifically a, sa- a sound designer. Um, I think there is some wonderful 
uh, sound effects in here, the game can sound quite uh, clicky uh, in terms of putting in inputs uh, to move to the next screen. It gives a lot of good feedback. Um, but the thing that struck me was uh, the background like environmental, like hearing um, the people bustling around in the background when you're in a scene that has, you know, is in, in an outdoor urban setting. Stuff like that I thought was really good for helping set the scene without needing a fully rendered and realized world around you. In terms of as well the the puzzles, there's a lot of um mobile uh touchscreen style puzzles in terms of like scratching off uh, a covering over the top of something uh to reveal the picture beneath. Again, that all has good audio feedback. Um it doesn't so much um affect the tone, but I think it does help uh just let the player know what's what's going on with what what they're doing to impact the game so a part of the credits that i've skipped out before is um this was recorded at uh villanova music or via nova music again apologies villanova. Villanova. it's actually very close oh, it's yeah. actually very close to where okay, i live cool. yeah it's villanova uh, it was recorded at villanova music um i there's uh only one two three four five uh musicians credited as the main sort of musical component i assume they are all employees of villanova music i don't know for sure but it seems to suggest that that may well be the case um strings unsurprisingly given i've already mentioned one of our main characters is a cellist strings are particularly notable so unsurprisingly there is a cello amongst the five uh five did i say yeah five listed instruments and uh, musicians the cello was played by sophie curtis um i thought strings featured quite heavily across most of the tracks even the tracks after krish is no longer necessarily central and present in florence's life and even before he's present in florence's life cellos are still there uh, and often what they do is they set the the music up with a piano intro and then bring the cello in as well. Uh, the last track I actually thought wasn't going to have any cello, but sure enough, halfway through, that sort of mournful cello kicked in. Um, so hmm. uh, I I think that it would have been wrong for the game if they had taken the cello out at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I, I already mentioned that um, the 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 that I found the uh, the story to be a happy ending, regardless of the fact that the relationship itself yeah. did not make it through to the end. But th- the whole thing is that, yeah, she is, uh, this has been, he has been, Krish has been a part of her life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not a part that she's, you know, cutting out. She's not like burning all of his pictures. She's not, you know, just, uh, she, she is still, you, you know, a person who has been affected by this relationship and by all the things that have happened in that. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that it's, I think that it is very fitting yeah. that, that the cello is still there and maybe it's not front and center um, or at least not as much as it was, but it's still uh, a part of her as a person. Yeah. I think in a broader sense, whether it's friendships, um, estranged family members or relationships, even if, these personal relationships didn't work out. They all still contribute to who you are today. So um, it's really powerful to just keep that theme running, even when Krish um, is not, they're maybe not, it's implied they're not even speaking, right? 
like they're not in contact well i i I don't think so i don't think that they are because um kind of towards the end when um when she's having like a, a gallery show in the romantic comedy version of this, it, that would be where he would show up with a bouquet and they Ugh. would get back together. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so glad they didn't do that. I am so, so glad they didn't do Ugh. that. But yeah, after, after the relationship <laughs> itself breaks up, he does not, He you don't see him anymore. One of the things that I think is great about uh, how short this game is, is uh, it does, a lot of games use musical motifs where, where a character or kind of a, you know, idea gets a certain musical theme and then it all crop back up when it comes in and and they're you know games games like undertale you know use them really well to kind of like bring it back and remind you of different things but the fact that this game is 30 minutes long means that all of those themes can stay super fresh in your memory and so i think even on the first playthrough even if you haven't necessarily been paying attention to who gets what sounds when when the cello comes back in you can remember just like you know 10 minutes ago or whatever what that cello meant then and it just gives it i you know i i am the kind of number one proponent of music telling you what to feel (laughs) you know i think sometimes sometimes it feels almost like cheating or it's like you haven't earned this the music is just really sad but in a game like this where where there is no dialogue and the just kind of yeah. feeling of the art and the sound is everything using those motifs to kind of like remind you of places that we've been in the story and then thinking about how they've changed now is just i mean it could not be done better playing the game through again today i kicked myself for not having this soundtrack on regular rotation on music that i listen to i don't know whether it would bring back too many of the difficult parts of the game for me to play through but um the two pieces of music that i have provisionally chosen to bookend this uh, podcast are the first and last pieces of music in the game and i couldn't think of a better way uh to to bookend this podcast than with the music that bookends the game um because it is the very start and the very end of the journey uh but has motifs that are similar and and uh changes the instrumentation just really really beautifully i think I will say it's hard to listen to casually for me, yeah. you know. Yeah. I believe that, it. Yeah. That if I'm going to listen to the soundtrack, which I do, it's like I'm going to sit down and be in my feelings for a while. Yeah. I, I, I need a minute. I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine and sit down. Yeah. Turn off the lights, cry a little bit. Um yeah, I think absolutely. also the um the, for me the standout sequence of this game is um the only the only scene where you turn the phone sideways which I mm. it's just so cool like I love that they only do that once but when um when she's walking and listening to you know her her own music which is kind of yeah. this like intentionally tinny just like electronic whatever and her phone dies and she takes it out and it's the first time that you hear that cello that becomes you know the motif and you're walking and you're clicking the music notes and then you start floating and whatever and it's it's just such a beautiful kind of like you know it is i love the fact that it's diegetic you know the music is actually happening in the scene because it's so beautiful and you can tell that she is just as swept up in the beauty as we are and literally swept off her feet you know like floating above the street listening to this music and it's just like it's such a powerful introduction to that theme which then becomes you know one of the main driving forces of the story but it's like Mm -hmm. if you 
If you want to make something stand out, you know, having the character like literally stop listening to something else and then be born aloft by the power of it is like a pretty good way of doing so. So yeah, that's um, it's chapter three. It's literally called music. Um, just to to put another uh, cherry on top of the uh, the cake that is this chapter. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's a very good point. That's the only time you turn uh, it sideways. It's also, I think, the only real surrealist moment in the game. I would say, with Florence being, as you say, literally li- lifted off the ground, uh, or at least I suppose it's meant to be metaphorical. I should say it's not. She's she's not literally, but in terms of what we are presented with, she is lifted off the ground. Yeah, there's um, there's not other like magic realism no, in it no. really. So that really does make that chapter called music the set piece of the game arguably doesn't it not to diminish anything else that happens but we are supposed to notice this chapter particularly something happens here something special that doesn't happen anywhere else in several ways so so i'll I'll, i'm gonna bring down the mood a little bit um (laughs) by saying that um this is something that's lost in the switch version oh um because you know you obviously you're not well, I mean, I guess I, I played it with a, a pro controller right. uh, on my TV, mm. so I, I don't know if they could have done something different with if you were playing just on the, the handheld version of yeah. the Switch uh, or a Switch Lite or whatever. But, uh, you know, you don't get that um, that kind of different uh, aspect yeah. ratio or, or, you know, the, the different holding of the phone. Uh, and you're not actually clicking on the notes. You are following through them right. and, it, you know, you... you can kind of move Florence herself to to flow through the notes, sort of, and it, it's still quite beautiful, and it's still, uh, you know, it 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 doesn't it doesn't lose everything. Like I I don't I don't mean to suggest that the the uh, it's it still uh, does a lot, yeah, but it's not quite the same mm-hmm. as, and I think that's my main complaint about the Switch version in general, really. Um, I might bring up a couple of uh, other For moments sure, later, yeah, but um, is that, you know, you don't get that kind of feedback. You're not, you're not as directly hands-on, literally, yeah. um, as you are in some mm. points um, the, in, the, uh, in the mobile version. How does the so. aspect ratio work? Like, is it, because because it's very tall and thin on a phone, so like, how do they yeah. put that on? Yeah, a TV? it's more more scrolling. Um, you it, it, they're they're pretty good about um, uh, kind of showing you you know when you need to hit a button versus when you need to um, just scroll the screen down. But it's it's kind of like if you've ever read um, uh, comics on an iPad. Yeah it's the same kind of problem. Like, do you just look at the frame itself or do you want to look at the whole page page and how does that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of like that. Um, you, to, to my knowledge, you are not given any real kind of choice. Like you can't just, you know, you can't fix the aspect ratio to look at the whole thing at once. But, um, I, I, it flowed fine. I thought, um, it, it, that part didn't really, uh, bother me as much, but yeah, it's, it's, some of it is um I, I haven't looked at it uh side by side so i'm not sure but i mean i'm I, it seems like they probably did some work um kind of adjusting that so that there wouldn't just be blank space on either side of what's actually going on yeah. um but yeah definitely mm. definitely different i think that playing this game on a phone is is a really remarkable experience for reasons that 
I don't usually think of as like mobile gaming because usually when you sell a game as a phone game, you're like, ah, you can play it for five minutes and you can you can play it on the bus and you can do whatever. And like none of that is how I would sell this game. But I do think that the the experience of basically being curled up, you know, on my couch, being so close to the screen, like far closer than I usually am while playing a game and kind of like only having this thing and feeling so connected to it is really kind of unique. And it's, it's weird that, you know, usually I think of like, Oh, I want to play something on, on the big screen so I can connect to it the most or whatever. But it's a, it's a very intimate experience to play this on a phone. And, you know, I was playing it this morning, just on, on my couch, on my phone with headphones on. And I I felt so connected to it in a way that like, you know, the, the five feet to a TV or even the, you know, kind of couple inches to a computer screen, it kind of takes away something. And so I, I didn't expect to find that with this game, but I was really, I was really surprised at kind of like how much I liked the phone part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Come to think of it, I have specific memories of playing this at about eleven o'clock at night in the dark in bed, and it's it's kind of rare that I have specific memories of actually playing a game. I think the the exception to that is I remember Watch Dogs two because I played that in at Easter and I took my TV into a different room to play it. But usually I don't remember actually sitting there and playing a game. But with the Florence, I definitely have strong memories of what how I played it, as in I was cocooned up in bed like getting all the all the feels just you know yeah i think you both kind of nailed um something that is strange strange is not quite the right yeah. word i i suppose it, i suppose unique is is as good a word as any that is unique about florence in in a format way is um you both mentioned playing it but not like on the train or on you know in public or anywhere you know i can't imagine playing this game with other people around me i really can't like i i i they it would have to be somebody i knew really well because they're probably gonna see me cry at some point um but yeah it's it it is odd um that it, it almost seems to contradict itself that yes it is something that works very well on a mobile platform but also mobile platforms are usually not i I think i'm kind of repeating what jacob said but um but mobile platforms are not usually for that's kind of why i don't usually play games on mobile platforms is because i don't do a whole lot of gaming in that situation and if i do you know i've maybe got a uh, well i do have a ds you know or a vita or whatever but i it's just not i don't play games in 10 minute chunks so that's that's really not what i would expect I laid these notes out in what I thought would be a relatively sensible um, spread, but I knew fine well story wasn't going to be saved for the end because something this game does well, and I want to talk about now with the visuals particularly, is I can't think of many other games that do such a good job of marrying um, the story that's happening, what's visually happening on screen, what's happening in the um, audio as well, and what the player is actually doing in a way this game does. So we mentioned this is like a comic book aesthetic. With um, There are panels. It does scroll like uh, reading a comic book on a tablet or a phone would. Um, but 
I mentioned the visual sparsity. I think it probably goes hand in hand with the palette and the use of colour, where there are scenes where the colour drains. There are other scenes where the colour is almost, for me, hard to look at because it's so bright. Um, I wonder how you all felt about the way this game's visually represented in particular. I love the the use of color in particular, um, and and I, I I kind of wonder how um, it would work for a colorblind person sure. um, if it would take anything away, uh, just because. And the 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 thing that I think of most is the um, we'd already mentioned the the sequence in the third chapter uh, where Florence is kind of floating along the music notes and those are all yellow mm. notes and I think that's the first time you have seen the color yellow in the game I'm, I'm not 100% Since sure about that but I, I think that it is yeah. yes yes um, so I think that that's the first time during the gameplay that yeah, you maybe. see uh, the color yellow and then through at, at Certainly, through at least the uh, the beginning of the relationship, and you know, kind of everything, it, it's very prominent. Um, so, yeah, I just it it's if you went through and kind of were looking for it, I think it would be it. it you could you could definitely see it as kind of a hit you over the head type of thing uh, with some of those themes. But I think it really works. It's um, may, maybe because the story itself is so short. Um, it i i liked uh, the other thing that i uh was thinking of and and again i kind of wish that i had been looking for this the entire time um but um after the relationship is done and she's kind of finding things that she enjoys again uh and pulls out the paints um the the first thing that she does is green and i'm not sure that that's a color that you've seen before that point so it's kind of and there again, you know, green is a color that has yellow in it. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it, you could, you could definitely see kind of her taking what has come before and making it her own there. Uh, something that I love on just a, a purely technical level is just how, how crisp this game looks. You know, I, I think it looks great on the TV. Oh, the that's, that's good to hear because I mean, my phone is, is a significantly higher pixel density than anything else that I use in my ordinary. I mean, I think it's it's literally just a higher resolution than my than my TV or my computer. Um, and and the the drawings just just pop off the screen. I mean, they're they're so clear. And and the you know the style is kind of minimalist in that a lot of times characters just have like dots for eyes or whatever. But but the right things have a beautiful amount of detail. I mean, like her hair is so clear and and when you're looking at like pictures of their apartment like every every little detail is so you know you can see the little like action figures and books and records that they have in the back that are detailed so clearly and it's yeah it's something that just makes me appreciate what my phone can do more than i think i have in the past because usually i feel like it's a downgrade to be doing something but like Everything just feels like it's jumping off the screen in this game, and it's really, it's really beautiful. I think that simplification, or if you want to call it that, I guess, um, of some of the design stuff probably helps there. Like, if they were trying to be hyper-realistic, then maybe it wouldn't, maybe it still would look that, but because it has these large blocks and just of of very bright colors, often primary colors, it really does have the ability to just kind of catch your eye there and and not have to be um 
looking exactly like a person all the time. Yeah, if you think about in other video games, oftentimes things are very bold, bright colors or have a glint or a different texture to them to draw your eye to them, but that's because they're amongst clutter. Um, I'm playing through Resident Evil Remake at the moment, and every single thing I need to pick up stands out from the background so much and also glints away to make sure I can see it, because it has to to see it. Whereas in this case, these bold, bright colours are often the only thing on screen, and that, again, reinforces how important they are. They are the thing that you are focused on at that time. And particularly during the conversations, um, I found it easy to get drawn into just the bold blocks of colour, which is the point you're focused on on completing that minigame. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, and it hadn't occurred to me until just now, this game uh, has a, a comic book aesthetic, and that extends to the fact that the characters look kind of hand-drawn. Um, and it wasn't until I saw actually the second of the two pictures that Florence draws of Krish in this. She's not a comic book style artist. She's not like a sketch artist in terms of doing uh, caricatures or anything, but it also works that this is hand-drawn, this is created by an artist in that way. It's not going for photorealism because she's an artist finding herself, finding her feet as an artist again after having had that kind of um having had to push that side of her away in literally into a cupboard um as we find out in the very first act first or second chapter i think i i love that aspect to it as well and e- even going to one of the articles that i put in here i can't remember which one has a a gif in it in line with the text which is from the title screen and it's bright yellow background with florence's face looking to the uh left of the screen as I look at it and it's just her hair moving back and forward a little bit. It's such a simple animation and works perfectly for a GIF because it's just a repeated animation like that. But it just movements like that when it's something that is so sparse and is so purposefully colored and drawn, the movements also draw the eye in the exact same way. Um, and just key sounds like the silliest little thing to be picking up on is somehow massively important when games do so much often. But the fact that this game doesn't try to do all of that means the stuff it does do stands out really well i think yeah well something i'm about to throw uh all other visual novels under the bus here but but (laughs) something something that visual novels do a lot is is they often they are pretty long stories and to to you know hand animate or draw every scene of like a character doing something would just be prohibitively expensive and so they have you know, a kind of like keyframes for the for the characters to go yeah. into where you have, heads, you know, it's yeah. like you've got you've got a pose where their their hands are on their hips and, you know, one where they're happy and one where they're mad and they they shift b- between that. And it, and it works like it it's totally fine in in something like, a you know, a Danganronpa or something. Yeah. But because the story is so short, something that they can do is make every single scene discreet. So for yeah. people who maybe are put off by the visual novel moniker you know i think like one thing that should be said about this is like it is it is wholly artistically unique the entire way through you know no scene looks like a scene before unless it intentionally is doing that for like you know thematic resonance or something Mm. and and just you know the the power of having like 
Here are their first three dates, and in every date, they are wearing different clothes, and those clothes mean something. And, like, you wouldn't yeah. put the third date's clothes on the first date because it wouldn't make sense then, but it does on the third date. It's, like, yeah. it's so, you know, the the amount that they're able to do with just, like, you know, a couple drawings per scene, but the fact that those are all different throughout the game means they can, like, build this really rich picture of kind of who the characters are. Yeah. Okay, before we get on to gameplay, there is some stuff we haven't really touched on that I think we do need to dig into regarding the uh, the gameplay here. I wonder if, Charlotte, you would be able to read out the forum comment from NPiper12, please. Florence was on sale recently, and I had heard good things about it, so I picked it up. I knew vaguely what it was about, but I didn't expect that I would have to take a break halfway through because it was making me tear up. Thanks in part to its lovely soundtrack and the cute and sweet art style, Florence aptly conveyed to me the feelings one feels throughout a relationship. In the hour or so it took to go through the game, I felt the joy and excitement of falling in love, the bittersweet half-smile of finding a picture together after the relationship is over, and everything in between. While not the longest game, the music, the art, and the ways the game has you engaged with the people and things in Florence's life did get me invested in her story. I was happy to see what she and Chris did together and was sad when they fell apart. I thought Florence's return to her dream of becoming an artist as the final act was a great way to end the story. She was happy and successful on her own, doing what she loved, and it left me smiling past my earlier tears. In case you didn't think there were going to be spoilers, <laughs> there's your spoilers, folks. Um, that's more or less the story altogether, but something I found really interesting playing today that I probably did notice first time round, but being as that was six plus months ago, I just, I had forgotten, um, to be honest, is how much the puzzles, when in other games, the puzzles are the puzzles, the story's the story, they're separate and you just go through the puzzles to get, I'm thinking of like a Professor Layton, they make some attempt to explain why you're doing puzzles. It's really quite artificial. In this case, it doesn't it never felt weird to me that i was doing puzzles because the the puzzle was representative of what the character was doing even if it's a little abstracted it never seemed that way i don't know if i can explain better than that um why i feel that way they're all simple touch based actions it's dragging uh pieces of a puzzle together like a jigsaw on screen um, it's tapping uh, like in a match pair game uh, as if it was in a spreadsheet grid. Uh, it's sort of wiping your finger across the screen to uncover something. But in every case, I understood that there was something either narrative or thematic that the game was trying to tell me by how and what I was I was doing uh, on it, how I was interacting with the game and what I was doing uh, in particular. Um, in that way, I've kind of mentioned it several times, the gameplay really reflected the narrative to me. Like, doing the spreadsheets at Florence's work was repetitive. It was just tap-tap. Really simple and repetitive. It was supposed to be a repetitive action. That's a really kind of surface-level observation about the game. But it goes further to toothbrushing is just back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. Oh, up and down a bit. That goes quicker, back and forward. It really is just kind of simple you can just grind through that, but it's supposed to be, so it works. Whereas I'm thinking of something like Bioshock with the pipe puzzles. If you didn't happen to like the pipe puzzles, they were just something you had to get through, and they didn't represent hacking in any way, shape, or form. 
in any real world setting at all whereas this i think this game did this wonderfully in contrast with something like professor layton that the the point of the game isn't the puzzles yeah so it's like um there's i think there's there's three different sorts of puzzle games there's the ones that are like bioshock where it's like a part of the game but it's not huge like a a central part of the game you just got to get through them if you don't like them there's ones where professor like with professor layton where that's the whole point of you playing the game and there's this where it's sort of a mechanic that sort of seeps into the background and i think the way it does that is that there's no lead in you just do it it's not like in professor layton where um professor layton's like oh luke we're gonna solve a puzzle now jumps to another screen it just happens you know luke you will solve this puzzle by god or you will not come out of that room ever again (laughs) i also think just the word the word puzzle is is funny because it's it's kind of literal in that they are often literally jigsaw puzzles that you're putting together but also i think kind of oversells them because with maybe one exception there's almost nothing in this game that will take you more than like 10 seconds to do. You know, the the hardest yeah. conversation block is eight pieces, which yeah. which is not particularly challenging. It never it never really slows down what you're doing. It never feels like you detach from the narrative like Charlotte was saying. And so, you know, because of that, there's not there's not a lot of kind of like uh complexity to even no. get better at you know you're you're as good at florence when you start it as when you end it because that's not the point but but no, they sure. do i i think everything that they do just gives you more chances to like connect to florence herself which is which is great it's like brushing your teeth isn't hard in real life either but you gotta do it <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you know having having just be like look we know this is boring but you know shake your finger back and forth on the screen because florence's life is boring and we want you to feel that four or five seconds and then it's done yeah. and you go do something else but you had that little moment of shared connection and the, and there's no uh mm. there's no penalties no, like sure. you don't you know, it, it's not if you uh, if you have this jigsaw puzzle and you take, you know, a little bit longer to get the pieces together. It's not they don't say, oh, well, you're you failed your relationship. You didn't put the puzzle yeah, no. together quickly enough, um, which I mean, I, I don't I can't think of a way that they could do that, <laughs> that it would have worked. So uh, but thankfully, that's not the point. I will so, say the uh, the one great. puzzle that uh, it cannot be solved in ten seconds was I had I had my parents play this game just because I was like, well, they're not gamers, but they'll like this. Um, the the chapter drifting, you know, towards the end oh, when boy. when the things yeah they spent they had to call me in after about ten minutes trying to solve those puzzle pieces which were yeah. kind of drifting apart and whatever yeah. they just could not figure it out. Um, so so I'm not sure if there is there is some kind of level of accessibility where maybe you could have the puzzle solve itself after a little while um but but that was actually a hang-up in a game that i thought would have no hang-ups i thought they would be able to get through the entire thing so there is still a a little you know barrier that has to be overcome and that's funny because i was actually going to bring that that puzzle up because that was one of the more powerful points in the game for me and something that i thought was a little bit uh, a little bit lesser in the switch version because uh, the puzzle that we're talking about as jacob says is um it's when the relationship is almost is almost over you know they've had a fight it's it's falling apart and it is 
quite literally the puzzle pieces are drifting apart yeah. from each other like you can pull them together but it takes more effort because the longer you leave a piece without touching it the more it kind of floats away from the rest of the uh the rest of the puzzle and it yeah it just doesn't quite it doesn't quite work uh, the same way on the switch because i i just wasn't dragging things together with my with my hand you know yeah. i was using a joystick and it you know it's it's it still works okay but I, I remember having a much stronger reaction to it on a touch screen um it that that metaphor hit me pretty yeah. hard before we carry on with some more uh stuff that i think we need to get to on uh puzzles which we'll start to talk about story as if we haven't already enough uh, we have another forum uh, post from Dusk versus Tweak. I love the visual metaphors for relationships in Florence, the speech bubbles requiring fewer pieces as the relationship strengthens and more common ground is found. The speech bubbles pieces getting sharper during fights, the need to decide what to keep, what to get rid of as the couple moves in together, the inability to keep the torn pages connected even though you know how they fit. I think Florence shows how games can use mechanics to explore these deep and universal elements of life. Very little of what Florence does would work as a movie because it's so unique to the medium. Also, I cried at the end when the picture on the desk was found, so Florence joins To the Moon and Telltale's Walking Dead Season 1 as games that have made me cry. We will get to those things that make people cry in a bit, but we're kind of <laughs> getting to them here, to be honest. Um, stuff about how the puzzles they literally get easier as you get to know someone um, and establishes uh, routine's a harsh way to put it but a sense of comfort like you feel the nervousness when you're doing that first puzzle on the first date with uh, Florence and, and Krish you feel the nervousness because you're piecing together only eight puzzle pieces and all of them are edge pieces by the way but you're trying to piece together what you want to say It's it, it, as metaphors go it's it's fairly transparent, but it worked so well for me, I have to say. Yeah, one of my favorite parts is not is not a puzzle to be solved in in a kind of like gameplay sense at all, but but is when when you're moving in together um yeah. and and you're presented with like here's a shelf and Florence already has a bunch of stuff on it and now Chris is coming in with stuff. So decide what's coming down from here what if krish is yeah. going up what if krish is staying in storage you know how you're doing this and and i don't know if you guys did this but i was just constantly having conversations in my head of like yeah. you already have a toaster oh well my toaster is better and oh my gosh you don't have the spice rack here we're gonna put the spice rack right up here like it was just it was so fun to kind of be able to and and i think it had that real joy of like you know it's still in the kind of like honeymoon phase of their relationship and they're just so happy to be spending time with each other and so these yeah. like little conversations of like oh i guess i can move some of my books so you can put your records here because it will be fun to have a record player it just like it felt so natural and then it also yeah. maybe has the best punchline in the game where you get into a bathroom that is incredibly crowded with stuff and you're like how am i gonna put anything here and then krish has one toothbrush just a toothbrush yeah yep. the, the kind of iconic or stereotypical i guess scene of moving the toothbrush in is the <laughs> is the thing that, that says you're moved in yeah absolutely and i, I love uh, we're skipping forward in the story but we've been skipping all over the place anyway when it comes time to deconstruct all that you're literally pulling apart what you built 
some of the mm-hmm. items I put into storage were back up on shelves. Some of the items I put on shelves yeah. weren't there anymore. And it just went to show this relationship chain. What I thought this relationship was, what Florence thought this relationship was when I was choosing what to put out. It, it didn't work. It needed adjusting. It changed after that. And seeing the the change in what had been put out, like the, the superhero figurine I'd put into storage because... Um, Chris took that down when he's tidying up his room for Florence to come over. He put that away. He changed it for a uh, plant in in a sequence. One of the few sequences where you're not playing as ostensibly Florence. You kind of tidy up Chris's room for Florence to come over and the superhero figure is something he puts away. So I decided, okay, he also would want to put that away here. That's not something he necessarily needs in favour of, say, the... Um, uh, I'm I'm never going to remember the the name of the deity, but the the elephant uh, statue, which represents a part of his religion. I thought, yeah, that needs to be out there. Um, the photo of um, Florence with Chris's family that absolutely wants to be there because that's a shared memory for both of them. Uh, but then seeing what had changed just destroyed me at a moment when I was having to just pull things down, just take things apart in the relationship. Uh, little things like that. And pr- and all the color is gone when you're when you're taking things yeah. down, and so you're yeah. kind of struggling to remember like was this my was this his you know the kind of thing of like everything's shared and now everything kind of hurts equally <laughs> like you can't pretend like oh this is mine so I can take it back yeah. it's like everything is ours and I have to decide which of these I'm taking yeah. with me and which of these I'm leaving is just oh god <laughs> yes yeah. Um, yeah, that that kind of whose whose was this record or whose was this DVD or whatever moment of a, again it's a, a stereotypical moment, but it's powerful nonetheless of a couple separating like that. Um, I wonder. I didn't try it, uh, but yeah, the toaster's an obvious one because both have a toaster. Um, but I wonder if it matters what items you put put in the box. It'd be very interesting to me if it was a case of well, it doesn't matter whose toaster that is. So sure, you take the toaster. Uh, that would speak. I think I took yeah. the toaster, so. But, but uh, I'm presuming you can't pull yeah. down something that was Florence's beforehand and give that now to, to Chris ostensibly. N- but, I know. I think you can. I, right. I it's think just the number that, of items have to go yeah. in the box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My perspective mm. of this is a bit strange because um, I might be moving in with my partner at some point in the next few months, and because I've been living in a flat share. I don't have that much stuff to move in and the thought of him having to put stuff in storage makes me for me to move in makes me feel quite uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like he's taking parts of his personality and hiding them and it's like maybe coming back to Florence on a second play and knowing what's going to happen. People put like uh, Chris putting stuff away to make room for Florence yeah. that could be seen as maybe a negative thing depending yeah. on what he's putting away, you know. That maybe he can't fully be himself. Very, very much, yeah. That moment when he's tidying mm. his room. Okay, he's tidying his room. You tidy your room when people come over. We all do it. You you get used to a certain amount of messiness because you know where everything is in your space and it's yours. And when someone's coming in, you want to kind of clean that up and present your best side, arguably. But the moment where he exchanges a superhero figurine for a plant was very much, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. I get that that's a stereotypical childish in quotation marks thing that um men often have even after they've transitioned from being boys you you know a toy but you know a toy or a figurine graphic novel or a comic whatever you want to call it to make it sound more grown up that's something that was important enough to him to have out and he now put that away that was very much a negative for me 
in terms of the first time I played it, not necessarily knowing where the story was going, but seeing someone hide part of themselves in service of a relationship. It's something that probably everyone does to some extent, but it it looks, especially in retrospect, but even in first viewing, like something of, if not a red flag, certainly a pink flag. You know, it's certainly on the way towards a red flag of, hang on, if you're refuting who you are in order to make this relationship work, then it doesn't work. I, I think I, I, I definitely get yeah. get that, uh, get where you're coming from there. Um, I think that the reason that maybe it didn't, it, it, it didn't bother me as much is because it was so early in the relationship. Sure. Like it, yeah. you're kind of still, and I am, I am completely not saying that I think anybody should hide anything um, other than, I don't know, maybe how, how much you fart in a day or whatever, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's, but what I like, and, and I had kind of forgotten about this actually until you mm. just said so, but after they do move in together, even if you do, put the, the yeah. superhero figurine away it it comes yeah. back out so i mean it, that that is nice because it's you know a as they get more comfortable with each other they're better at showing each other who they really yeah. are and you know more more about themselves yeah. and that that rings very true for me because i mean it, even if you're not necessarily hiding yeah. things about yourself there are things that maybe you don't you you aren't as open about or you just haven't discussed them yet or you know that that kind of thing and the longer that you are with somebody and especially if you are living in the same place the more little things like that are going to come out it's interesting you took the positive spin on that because my spin on that was that was a passive aggressive move by krish no i will have this out i am going to be me and I, if you don't huh. like it, tough. <laughs> I, I saw that as a negative side of what happened later in their relationship, whereas your mm. interpretation, perfectly valid. I just didn't think of it because that's yeah, who I no, am, I, I guess. I hadn't thought of it that way either. <laughs> There's a <laughs> moment funny. of introspection for me. but <laughs> No, they both make sense. So basically, this game, this game didn't make me cry. And I think the reason that it didn't get to me that much um, was because... Also, it, it starts off very rom-com-like, even if it doesn't follow mm. the, the general tropes of a rom-com. And in a rom-com, nobody is ever completely open to the person they're dating right away. It sure. is very presenting a very positive version of themselves for a very, very long time, like an unhealthy amount of time. Yeah. And maybe the, the whole, uh, you know, meet-cute sort of thing to, thing to it sort of made me, you know, yeah, I just... I just I could see why yeah. they broke up, to be honest. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, th- I think you're right. There is that aspect of the act two where the person's finally able to be themselves and whatever it is about them they kept hidden suddenly jeopardizes the relationship only for them to overcome it in act three and happily ever after, etc. Yeah, a- absolutely a trope of, of that. So yeah, it's not uh, out of sorts. And you're absolutely right. The, the way that they meet uh, Fl- Florence being pulled towards the music and then seeing Krish and then the happenstance of her being in a crash uh, and and him kind of coming over and them finally meeting, that is very, very romantic comedy uh, kind of trope. Absolutely straight out of uh, any romantic comedy film uh, you might care to name, definitely. Yeah, I do think, it's interesting though, because it, it starts like that, but then there's there's a lot of stuff where you can view in retrospect, like, yeah ah, this was, you know, this was a pink flag. But also, it's like, (laughs) if they had lived happily ever after, it would have been just like, you know, it's like, 
not every relationship that has an argument later ends, you know, like it could have just been like they had an argument or like, you know what? I really like my partner. They're great. (laughs) When they're coming over, I'm not going to have all my uh, my amiibos out like they don't need to see. I'll I'll pick my favorites. The rest of them can go in the drawer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they can can see the big (laughs) knit Yoshi and everything else goes away. Um, And so it's, it's great because it's like, yeah, you can. I think I think it kind of speaks to the impossibility of predicting a relationship at the beginning that like may, maybe sure. these are warning signs, but also maybe these maybe, are just yeah. things that we do when we're getting to know each other. <laughs> you know, it, it's, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. it feels very legitimate to me that just like these yeah. are things that would happen not because they're part of a larger story, but but just because they happen in relationships. Yeah, I. What that makes me think of is um, one of the uh, after uh, Chris kind of tidies up his room and and Florence comes over and she discovers the application for the Academy of Music. um, You have a sequence where you are actually having to tap the button to like push him towards the Academy to do the application. And if everything had worked out well and he had, you know, had great success with that, then that would have been a, oh, she brought out the best yeah. in me. And, you know, that's that. And that's sort of kind of what happens eventually with, um, or in part at least, with him giving her the yeah. paints is, you know, it, it comes back out much later, of course. But, um, you know, it, it, that turns out to be a positive for her. For him, he ends up, you know, he ends up hating it. He, it's, it's just kind of a slog. Yeah. Now it's a job. It's a thing you have to go do. It's not something that you love, that you're doing because you love it. You're doing it because you have to do it. Um, but that, I mean, they could have written that to go either yep. way. And it, it, you just can't tell until it happens sometimes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the game's filled with those moments of, in retrospect, hindsight being mm-hmm. twenty twenty, etc. It's like, oh, was that was that a red or as a, as we've now coined a pink flag? That probably means something <laughs> completely other that we shouldn't be referring to. But there <laughs> <laughs> we go. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those where absolutely, it's like um, when they have the first argument in the grocery store and they're standing back to back, and you have to turn. I, I always turn Florence around. I assume you only can because I think today I tried to turn Chris around and couldn't. My immediate reaction was, well, well, why should I? Why should Florence have to be the one that um, extends the olive branch here? And that seemed like some great red flag that Chris wasn't the one doing it, but someone has to. And it happened in this case to be Florence. They could have written it that it was Chris. Uh, so there's no need for me to hold that against him necessarily, but it speaks to how much the the very simple puzzles if we're calling them that really brought me into uh being these characters um it's something that i've actually got down in story but all bets are off at this point folks anything you do in the game you can't fail it and nothing you do will affect the story certainly that i've seen i'm pretty sure that's absolutely true um so there is very little way to for you to make choices uh, even in the dialogue choices you make, you're going to the same endpoint. Doesn't matter. Um, there is some expression there in terms of what choices you pick for Florence to say to her mum. I thought it was kind of weird that even after you're together with Chris, the option to tell your mum to to stop trying to find you a boyfriend was still there. Uh, that kind of speaks to that relationship, I suppose. Um, but I never felt like, as I have in other games, where it's here's the gameplay bit here's your cutscene, you can't really affect the story, I can sometimes struggle to feel like I'm engaged with what's happening to the characters. 
yes, one very specific series of games that I've often mentioned and I'm not going to this time, I'm thinking of. Uh, but in this case, I never felt that barrier, even though I wasn't affecting what was happening. For whatever reason, the little input I had just had me right there with what these characters were going through. So one question I had that I definitely wanted to ask um, was the sequences where uh, the conversation turns into an argument, the pieces get more jagged um, and the pace of the back and forth starts to increase and eventually it comes into a literal tipping balance game where I feel like you are encouraged to want to answer, want to put your uh, speech together on a time limit more quickly. I wonder, did everyone feel that? Was everyone trying to race to get your speech bubble together before Chris got his together? Totally. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely did that, yeah. <laughs> because I was too, and I thought about how messed up it is that not knowing what this relation, what this argument was about, we just want to beat the other person. The person that you care about, you still know, because it's presented as a tense, like, challenge, I went straight to, quick, get this done, get this done, get this done, I've got to swing this back in my direction. And that's, I mean, that's literally wanting to beat someone in an argument, sure, but it's not a healthy, and it's not supposed to be a healthy, it's what the game's trying to show, I just how quickly I fell into the trap of, no, I have to win this, when that's not how I would approach any kind of argument or confrontation in life ever but the game got me straight there to do that that yeah <laughs> i see i was gonna say that i wonder if that's something that falls upon us as people who play Maybe. more games than a lot of other people but also i <laughs> this is a uh, insight perhaps into why i am not in a relationship currently is that that's that's definitely <laughs> something i do i I hate losing an argument. I'm the worst. Um, so yeah, I I don't know that I would have been quite that emphatic about it, but I I feel like that was probably closer to me than um, than I would otherwise like to admit. <laughs> yeah, and, and then it's a very human thing, and I think yeah. it also it's a, a huge amount of people do lean that way depending on their personality type. You know, if you're on debate team at school, that sort of thing. <laughs> And and I was. <laughs> no, it's certainly something that I thought. I mean, as I say, it's not how I like to think I would approach confrontation, but I have certainly found myself in heated discussions where I think, why am why Like, split second later, why am I saying this? Why am I doing this? This is not me at all. So the game absolutely reflected real life in that, where I'm there thinking, okay, I'm doing this, but I shouldn't be. And I, before you know it's too late, you've made the mistake. Okay, another time for another piece of forum feedback, I think. Jacob, would you be able to read Bear Fish Pie's forum feedback, please? This is a lovely, reflective little piece, communicating much about the highs and lows of life and love in neat little brushstrokes. As far as being a game is concerned, you're not asked to do much, but nonetheless, there are a myriad of elegant touches in here. As an example, to represent dialogue between the two leads, you're tasked with constructing a rudimentary jigsaw puzzle. For their tentative first exchange, you have to sift haltingly through a jumble of pieces, awkwardly constructing each abstracted sentence. Then, as they grow to understand one another, the puzzle pieces get chunkier and simpler to interlock. Your ease of progress and the increasingly free-flowing nature of their chatter mirrored neatly. The game then smartly returns to this mechanism during the breakdown of their relationship, weaponizing it into a verbal tug-of-war and tainting the joy it once gave. And to echo the others here, the soundtrack is an absolute delight. Like I said, a running theme. 
we've kind of talked a lot about story, and that's not to say I'm not going to give everyone a chance to, to bring up anything they want to, but um, there was an article by Andrew Webster on The Verge around about the time this game came out called uh, With Just a Few Taps, Florence Shows You How It Feels to Fall in Love, a sentiment in a headline that I absolutely agree with. But um, in the opening sort of setting up the premise of the article, um, Andrew said, the story of Florence isn't especially unique. And while as a generalization in what is an incredibly glowing article and sets up that premise simply as a jumping off point as a premise specifically about video game narratives. I actually don't agree. I don't think it's necessarily unique, but I think it's pretty rare in video games for a game, like a, a game story to, to go where this goes and to confound expectations as it does in, in, several points i think for me during the story um so with that said we've kind of ended up talking as i knew we would about story all the way through our discussion um uh, we've we've talked about what happens in the story i wondered if there was anything um in particular that any of you and we'll go kind of round the table starting maybe with charlotte with anything you wanted to uh bring up in particular mention about the story that we haven't got to yet that was important to you one of the people I do my other podcast with, CJ at Destructoid, he wrote a review for Florence and he said it's one of the favorite, his favorite reviews that he's ever written. And I read it this afternoon and it really touched me because he talked a lot about his personal experience of being um, a guy who's been single for a very long time and when he wrote the, the, the review and that his interpretation of the ending was that uh, they had given up this relationship to f- pursue quite narcissistic paths and that they've sort of sacrificed relationship over creative pursuits um and i can see that in a way but interestingly it's just i i, I didn't cry I, I i found it very fortifying in a way to play because i've of this experiences that i've had where i've been together with people who uh, i just clicked with like florence clicked with krish and just for whatever reason it just didn't work out and um, I grew from that. And that's sort of the, the, the message I got from this game. And, and I can imagine Florence being together with people she clicks with just as well as Christian. Maybe that doesn't work yeah. out. But it's all going to end with maybe Florence does get together with somebody and gets married. Maybe she's on her own, you know, later on in her life. But it, it just, you know, it's painful in the moment, but you get over it and it becomes a part of your history. And uh so that's just why I didn't cry or get upset. I've, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've experienced it myself and it's just life, you know, and it's a beautiful part of life. If we didn't go through those tough times, then what would life be? So, uh, Jacob, how about yourself? Anything on story or uh, characters in particular you want to touch on? Oh, sure. I mean, I think we've, <laughs> Lee and I have both uh, not particularly subtly hinted at how this game affects us, but like, this game wrecks me, dude. Like, it, oh, God, it, it really just kind of like almost kind of cleans me out in terms of emotion you know like at the end of it i just feel like i have kind of felt everything and and then i can it's it's like a cleanse you know um and and something that surprised me is that that hasn't lessened at all uh playing through it on repeated times you know that it's not it's not like a the surprise of the breakup that that hurts it's it's kind of like the whole just the whole arc of the game and something that actually really unexpectedly got to me this morning was um 
when when she's you're kind of like I think you're kind of into your relationship with Krish, maybe, or maybe it's even before then, but it's just kind of like a going going through the routine level and and you're you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you kind of wipe away the mirror and you see like Florence as an artist and kind of happy. Um and and one of the things that was so striking to me was that that she's not there are almost no scenes in the game of actual true sadness you know like you don't you don't really see the characters cry ever it's not like oh florence is you know drinking a bottle of wine at a friend's house or whatever it's but but like what it does have is this this kind of like monotony of routine where it feels Mm -hmm. like she almost feels nothing that she's just going through the days and and Mm -hmm. she does her job well and she comes home and she eats and and that's kind of it and and that being the opposite of happiness, you know, not not sadness, but just this kind of like deadened feeling. I like I just I just kind of looked at yeah. that mirror scene for like a really long time this morning. Um, and and yeah. And then, I mean, truly, I don't know if it's if it's just a gender thing or if there are other things in his character that I relate to. But I always feel more connected to to Krish in just the relationship while I'm playing this weirdly enough and and mm-hmm. so I feel like I don't get to see him be okay at the end of it you know sure. and I'm yeah. I'm glad that we don't have like a, a a meeting after they break up where it's like he's a successful musician and she's an artist or whatever but like it does kind of feel like like she's she's good, but I need to know about him. And because I don't know about him, I'm still like pretty shaky afterwards. Um, so, yeah, this this game just just pushes a whole lot of buttons for me. <laughs> um, and and I feel like I kind of I kind of experience new things each time I play it because I'm I'm usually in a a different point in my life, you know, doing doing something different than I was six months ago or a year ago when I last played it. Leah, finally, anything on story you wanted to bring up just before we move into wrapping up the show? Yeah, I I think that the reason that Florence really kind of emotionally gets to me is because I. I I have had this particular experience before. Um and obviously not, you know, all of the exact same things. I'm not an artist. Um the the person that I was with was not a cellist, <laughs> you know, that that kind of thing. But um yeah, it's not quite that that no. uh connected. But um I I mean, I have been in and this is quite some time ago now. Um but I have been in a very long-term relationship, you know, a multi-year relationship that ended in a way that kind of reminds me of this. It, it wasn't, and, and Chris is not a bad guy. That's not what this is about. And I don't think that's why we don't, we don't kind of see his aftermath. Um, although I, I completely understand wanting to, because he's not, you know, he's not a bad, there aren't bad guys in this, in this game. There's just people, um, and and that's I I would argue that probably at, at least in my experience, probably more relationships fall apart and end because there's just not a fit, or because 
the fit has become warped or or yeah. a, a non-fit in some way then you know then that somebody cheats or that somebody uh is violent or that that something bad happens um i, I think it's probably more and the the, the situation that i was in and i <laughs> probably on a, a longer scale than florence which it seems like takes place over maybe a year and a half two years um that just based on kind of some yeah, of the title yeah. cards that they give you um yeah um mine was closer to seven uh and it you know it there's just kind of a slide at some point um i i think that the chapter title um that i'm thinking of here is erosion um where it, it it's not something that happens all at once it's not like you wake up one day and realize oh this is this is over this is just not working anymore and maybe for some people it does work that way but it didn't for me for me it was probably uh, I, I don't even know. I, I couldn't pinpoint where it started going to the point where we just were not, we were not together anymore. We were, we were not in a place where we should have been together. And, you know, the, the person that I broke up with, you know, I haven't, I haven't spoken to them in yeah. years now, but I don't think that they're a bad person. I kind of did at the time, but um, that's, I, it's, it's just, I don't know. I this this just hit really cl- even though it has been a yeah. significant amount of time since this happened with me. This it, it hit pretty mm-hmm. close. Um and I I think that maybe the point that that well the point that that, that really gets me. Uh, there are several points that make me tear up and and kind of, you know, just get me on the inside, but um the it's one of the last mm-hmm. chapters um I, i'm not sure what the actual chapter number is but um it's the one uh that's called let go uh, yeah yeah and yeah and it's a very short chapter and literally all you have to do is just not do anything um she continues she florence is walking and she's walking with krish and the farther away that you get from him he kind of yeah. starts to fade out and you can touch the screen to make her stop walking um and and let him catch up but you don't make any progress until you just let her yeah. continue walking and he eventually fades away and she's is, she is able to continue that one messes yeah. me up like that yeah. just because I, I mean you have to you just have to continue on and i i, I don't know I, I don't know why that metaphor is so particularly affecting on me you know it but i i really this this game feels very personal to me um and and that in particular um just showing how difficult it is because you want again it that's i think that's playing with the game mechanic the Mm -hmm. the the fact that we are used to playing games is that you want to be doing something you you want to be fixing it you want to be and you have been trained in this game to you know put puzzle pieces together or try to pull things together or uh to do something and here there is nothing that you can do and in fact you have to do nothing and that just yeah that really got me um and still kind of gets me so um yeah that's i i think that's the 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 Mm -hmm. the reason that i really that this game really hit me was was that yeah it's it's uh very relatable as it turns yeah, it's out chapter number 18 i think it's interesting that it's not called letting go it's called let go it's very much mm-hmm. can be read as an yeah. instruction to the player uh of what needs to happen yeah, yeah that was uh one of mm-hmm. several uh pretty powerful moments in the game uh i thought so 
We have three word reviews to do, but I am going to take the last piece of forum correspondence simply to allow all of you to gather your thoughts and feelings for your summaries. Uh, no More Spiros gave us our final piece of forum feedback, and they say, Maybe I'm being too analytical, but I can't tell what Florence wants the player to feel after finishing it. Immediately, I thought it was against the concept of higher education. The game seems to suggest that Krish's pursuit of music at the Unnamed Academy is frustrating him as his pursuits change from art for the sake of art to art for the sake of success. Florence's ability to sell her amateur works also suggests that that would be the primary takeaway. But if that were the case, why would there be so much of an emphasis on Florence encouraging Krish to attend in the first place? I guess it's a lesson that's meant to be learned after the fact, hence Florence herself not following a similar path. But it still bothers me for some reason. There's also the ending to consider, where the game's underlying message of its last third or so, it's okay to let go of people slash relationships, is cast aside by forcing the player to include the one remaining photograph of Florence and Krish amongst her belongings when she leaves her job. I wanted so much to be able to close that box early, to have the choice to strengthen that idea even further, but instead the impact of the ending changed from a crash of sticking to my morals to a sad little thud of cardboard on cardboard. I get what Florence is trying to do and I can appreciate the effort that went into delivering its core message. I only wish I wasn't left wrestling with my with messages it may or may not have been trying to deliver in the first place. This was a weird one for me. As I mentioned, uh, people can take all sorts of things away from what is ostensibly a story unchanged by player interaction uh, based on, as you said, Leah, situation, circumstance and perspective of the player. Uh, I never thought this game had anything to say about higher education. I absolutely think it's got something to say about art for the sake of art or hobbies for the sake of hobbies or enjoyment for the sake of enjoyment versus for the sake of success. I don't think Krish ever changes from one to the other. I think the first time you see his dreams, they are about success. They are about him getting a record, him being a star, him having an audience. Uh, I think it's the difference between the way Florence approaches her art and that mirror sequence you're talking about, Jacob, happens after Florence has had that discussion with Chris about his dreams. She stands in front of a mirror, you wipe it away, and she just is there herself, covered in paint, paintbrush in hand, looking happy. It's not about the success she's going to get from that. It's about missing the act itself. So uh, I'm not obviously saying no more Spiros that, that your takeaway is, is wrong or you're wrong for thinking that the game didn't uh, present to you uh, any kind of clear thought as to what it was trying to say. Uh, it just wasn't how I felt about it. The same, um, the last third saying it's okay to let go of people relationships. I think I don't, that wasn't what it said to me. I, to me, it said it's hard to let go of people in relationships. It is hard and heartbreaking uh, but sometimes inevitable, sometimes necessary was what uh, I took away. I just feel like that reading of her taking the picture as some kind of failing is is so, yeah, no, I don't I, know. I, I mean, know people people do breakups in different ways, but I feel like the idea of like burning someone out of your life completely and like kind of casting aside memories of them being like the healthier way to go is just not something that i'm really on board with um so yeah i i felt like her taking that picture was like a sign of strength that she could like look back on their relationship and be like you know what this was really important it is still a part of me i'm going to take this and i'm not going to cry over it every night it's just like i am going to kind of remember what this was um but a different 
different strokes for different story beats, etc. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. Um, we we talked earlier about how the cello kind of stays in the, sure. in the music because it, you know, it's it's been an effect this whole time. Uh, and yeah, no, I I I can see the the kind of instinct to you know push away things that have hurt you but in her case this is not immediately after the breakup this is after she has had some time to heal and maybe it would have been different if like she had immediately quit her job after uh after the breakup and had you know been cleaning things out and and then found it i don't think she would have had the same reaction but now she's had some time and, and some distance and she is able to you know kind of kind of take the not even the higher path just take the what i see and, and what jacob you referred to as kind of the stronger option here of you know just accepting that this was a part of her life uh and and you know taking yeah and still meant something to her uh and in in the future yeah. just like the the picture of the butterfly um that she pulls out of the box uh, is a reminder from her childhood this is going to be a reminder in the future of something really important and hopefully overall positive that was part of her life and isn't now but still important to to have the memories of to reminisce over yeah absolutely okay we have a couple of last things that we do at the end of every show the first of which three word reviews on the day of recording we put out a tweet asking for all of you wonderful people who have played the game to send your your review of the game but in three little words short and sweet uh, we had a uh, a few today, which is great. Thank you very much for that. Um, Leah, I wonder if you would kick us off with the first of our three-word reviews, please. Sure. John Cheatham says, love that soundtrack. Ludo Narrative FM says, brilliant visual metaphors. Dusk versus Tweak says, sweet, painful, cathartic. Seablood78 says, moving mobile magic. Pecan Pie says, a brief spark. E. Colby says, art imitates life. Thank you very, very much for those. Um, all really great, I thought. Um, and speak to what we thought of the game, I think, or what we found important about the game. Our summaries, then. Um, I think I've got a good order for us to go in. Leah, would you be kind enough to start us off with what you thought of this game? Oh, boy. Yeah, nice, sure. nice, easy start. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. tough because, I mean, I, I can say that I, I liked this game, that I love this game, but that's not really the whole thing right yeah. I, it's because it's it's i always find it kind of difficult to um to categorize experiences and this goes for games films tv whatever books um that that make me feel feelings that are not always positive feelings like i mean yeah the game may be sad but that that's a good thing in this context i think um it it felt very real to me for reasons that i've talked about pretty extensively uh previously um so yeah and and i think uh something we haven't talked a whole lot about is um the kind of how this is a i i won't say universal experience because i you know it's this is obviously not going to apply to every single person but it is a common experience to many people um just being in a relationship and having a relationship end and how that happens is going to be different for 
every individual who experiences it, but I think that there's something to relate to for a most, well, a lot, if not most, situations in how Florence handles it. Um, so, yeah, I definitely recommend this. As I say, uh, if you have the choice, um, then I this is actually a situation in which I would say play the mobile version over the console version. But even if your your choice is to play the the console version, it is still a wonderful game. It still has uh, a lot to say that I think many people are going to relate to. And um, yeah, just I I don't maybe don't play this with your partner <laughs> around, <laughs> or maybe do. I don't know. I don't I don't know your relationship, but I I feel like this is. For me, I, I can't imagine playing this any way other than by myself, um, probably with a fuzzy blanket <laughs> or something around me, um, which is what I did this morning. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 this feels like therapy became a version, but, um, but yes, I, so anyway, uh, long story short, I, I very much recommend this game uh, and uh, play it all in one go if you can uh, and just kind of enjoy the uh, enjoy the ride the enjoy is in air quotes Appreciate probably but um yeah yes yes I, thank I, you putting words in your mouth sorry that's a horrible thing to do but <laughs> no no that was perfect actually uh, thank you very very much um i will keep my uh, my own summary quite short i wanted to go back to uh, you talked about let go which was the uh 18th chapter of the game um and i think for me i I have had one relationship in my life that is uh, anything remotely like the relationship in the game, and I'm still in it. Uh, so I haven't had the second half of of this story, but that chapter really spoke to me about the the fear I have that I will put my foot in it, that I will say something stupid that I don't understand the uh, the ramifications of, and that that will go away. And that chapter in particular, that's very light on any kind of player interaction, as you mentioned, Leah, spoke to me about the fact that losing a relationship, losing a person from your life, not through uh, death or tragedy or disaster, but through a relationship ending, that's it's a representation of grief uh, and and of that kind of loss of something incredibly important from your life uh and as happy as uh i am and have been and will be for if i have anything to do with the rest of my life in my relationship it's something i fear that through my own my own not understanding what i'm doing not through my own intentions but through just circumstance through uh Things that are outside of my control, I'll end up losing that. And this game just is a gut punch every single time I've played it. Uh, but I absolutely adored uh, every second of playing it. And, and again, like in, enjoy and adore weird phrases to use about this game, but it uh, completely floors me in the very best way, uh, in a very difficult way. But yeah. Um, I can't imagine anyone's got to this point and not played the game in terms of listening. Uh, yeah, uh, play this game. Charlotte? I don't think I found the game as powerful as the rest of the panellists today. Um, and I think that's really just drawing on my own experiences that I've... I mean, I think if I'd have experienced moving out of a place I lived in with a partner, that would have been a big mm. gut punch, but I've not experienced that. So I did see it kind of as an outsider yeah. sort of thing. Um, 
But in terms of like relationships falling apart in such a gradual sort of painful way, I mean, I have had a little bit of an experience of that. And to be honest, I do see it quite um, philosophically mm-hmm. at the moment, looking back on those times. I mean, I, I sat here just now and I thought, Every single time that's happened to me, I can look back and say, I wouldn't be where I am today if that had not happened to me. So, and and it's the same yeah. for Florence. Like she can take something positive at the end out of her relationship with Krish. And so I saw, when I saw the breakup happening in the game, I sort of understood that it had to happen and that I couldn't stop it. I, I feel like I cottoned onto that pretty quickly and it, it just didn't hit quite as hard as it maybe did for some other people. And really... Looking back on the game, I have quite positive feelings about it because it's just so representative of what happens in real life. And it's it's so different because it's not this soap opera, you know, physical violence and, you know, sort of portrayal of a relationship breaking down. And I think just because it dares to do that, it definitely is worth playing. Just maybe make sure that you're meant, you're, you're, mental state or the, the way, where you are in your life with your relationships sort of maps to playing this game because just don't play this game during a breakup it's going to destroy you yeah uh very well said incredibly good advice i, I fear um all right uh jacob as you mentioned this was your pick for this year and as such you should absolutely have the last word i feel your summary of florence please yeah so i i first played this game two years ago about when it came out and and i was in a a very different point in my life then than I am now. Um, and, and between those points, I, I experienced to me what felt like a kind of Florence esque relationship that I feel like I'm, you know, I'm still kind of feeling the aftershocks of, um, but I don't think, I mean, I, I totally understand the advice to not, play this during a breakup but i think what's what's so wonderful about florence and and the reason that i think i'm i'm just going to kind of keep coming back to it as the years go on is it is it is just immensely emotionally honest and and i i love kind of reading into the the symbolism the metaphors the story within a story you know in in so much of kind of literature and games and whatnot but for Florence, I feel like it's just it's just so, you know, naked, like it's all there. All of the story is kind of laid out. It's not hiding things from you. And and the thing that changes is how you experience those different emotions. And and I genuinely think that it will be, you know, a powerful experience and probably a good one no matter what point in your life you're at you know if if you're just entering a relationship maybe it would be hard but i also think it will be you know a reminder of of just kind of how how excited you can be and how much the world lights up when you see that person and and if one has just ended you know you get to see her go on and live her life like you get to see her get better um so yeah, it's Florence is a game that means a lot to me, and and what the reason that I love it so much is that I just think it's going to keep doing that. I think that you know throughout my future years and relationships and and all of that, I will be able to come back to Florence and see more of myself in it 
than I did before. Thank you very, very much, one and all. There are other people to thank, uh, obviously Charlotte, Leah and Jacob, as well as all of our correspondents, forum and three-word reviews on Twitter, our editor Jay, and every single one of you for listening. Next time, issue 414. Love it or loathe it, the term Metroidvania has stuck around because while many games court the crown, the genre-defining games remain unmatched. Find out from Leon and the team whether I am fired for this torturous word salad and whether <laughs> Thomas Happ was on the verge of defying the aforementioned axiom. A- axiom Verge is ne- next week. It's, it's Axiom Verge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye, folks. Maybe for the last time. <laughs>